Hi, welcome back once again. And just to remind you, we're the behaviorists and we are prejudiced, prejudiced against, against bad, bad behavior. behavior. And so, what are we going to talk about today, Kalinda? Well, today we're going to talk about something that is a problem in many, many homes. In fact, in homes all around the world. And this is the dreaded Monday. And if we look at it, Monday is really about motivation, isn't it? So we don't feel motivated, we feel meh, it's like the meh emoji that you talk about. And so a useful place to start with this is looking at motivational states. So, so far we've got flow, you want to be in, mm -hmm. NUI, which is below rest, well, which rest you spiral NUI, into. Yeah. And so to get from rest and bypass NUI, you've got to go to animation. And that's what takes you to flow. Yes, exactly. And then there's one more that I should mention, which is when you go beyond the state of flow and that I would call agitation. So that's when you're pushing too hard to make things happen. So how, what kind of work activities would well, count for this? A lot. And this is where the Monday stuff comes in. They found that people enter the flow state twice as often at work than they do at home. And yet, what's everybody trying to do? Get to Friday. And so what that tells us is that we human beings are very bad at gathering evidence from our own experience. Friday, we're feeling great, we're feeling wonderful, and we think it's because the weekend's ahead. Sure, that has something to do with it, but a lot of it is because we're now motivated. If we had our clipboard again, we'd say, mm, okay, I admit I'm feeling a lot better today than I did on Monday before I went to work. We have the story that work is less desirable than rest. and so Sad, salt mines, terrible. Exactly. Yeah, we use all of those words. So if we can recognize that work is an opportunity to get into the flow state, it provides an opportunity for personal growth, then I can change my narrative about work. Then I can use those tasks to motivate myself. So as you're talking about narrative, I'm thinking of something from when my daughter was very young. So, you know, each of us has our preference and um, I don't like weather that's sort of British weather, you know, the gray sky and kind of gloomy, that sort of thing. Mm. I like it to be warm and humid. And so my narrative, when I wake up and I see that it's that kind of weather is, oh no, it's that horrible weather. And my daughter loves that weather. And she was little, she was about four. And I remember she opened the curtains and she said, yay, it's gloomy. Mm. And that mm. always sticks in my mind. So mm. if we can go from, oh, it's Monday, blue Monday, you know, terrible, mm. terrible, to actually Monday, you mm. know, making Monday great again. Mm. And, and I think that's something I'm going to experiment with. I'm sure it's going to have an effect. Good. And yes, I think that's the important thing is, you know, lead with the behavior. So change the relationship to the thing. So wake up and say, okay, this week I recognize that work is an opportunity for growth, for getting into the flow state, and I'm going to use it consciously to do that. And come and study how, what those factors are for that you apply to an activity to get into that. And then go and and do that and gather the evidence that helps you to see that it actually is so. It really is, you know, it's factually true. It's not just me saying so or the boss wishing that you would get this. It, it really is that way. And so you can transform your own experience of life. And that's what we say. It's, it's not about having to change the outside. It's about transforming your experience of life through changing the relationship, the way that you see things. And there's one more thing to say about this, which is, points to the reason why we do this, and, and this will help to really deepen the understanding and, and the application of it. And that is around, when I talked earlier about getting into the animated state, we said that it's usually 
something external gets imposed on us that forces us to do it, to get up out of NUR and into animation. So the partner's coming home, the boss is coming, you know, we better look good, we better look sharp. So that gets you going. It's very seldom from our own choice. Mm -hmm. And this is an important element of it because that thing about work, why do we have that negative narrative about work? Well, if you think about this, the ego strives for autonomy. So everybody wants to kind of feel like I have a choice in my life. Mm -hmm. And we think that when I win the lottery, well, then I'll finally have the ultimate choice to do what I want when I want. So what we're really going for is choice. We really want to feel like we have the autonomy to decide what, you know, what to do when. And, and so it's, it's actually this feeling that work, that I have no choice about work, that is causing us to have this narr negative narrative about work. So that's where we've made the mistake, that yeah. it's actually mixing the choice and the motivation and Monday yeah. all yeah. in one yeah. big mush. Yeah. So we, we kind of have a sense that, you know, I don't have a choice whether to work or not. Well, if you had a choice, if you won the lottery, I would hope that you would still go to work on Monday because if you don't, you're going to start to vegetate and become less sharp, uh, less motivated and probably depressed and very soon waste all that money on stuff that you think is going to make you happy and then you're forced to go back to work again. Mm -hmm. If you can recognize what work does for you, you can actively change your relationship to it by changing your choice about work, saying, I choose to work because it does great things for me and it motivates me and I get to develop myself and exercise my skills. And so work is a great place to be. It's a good thing for me. And there I'm starting to exercise choice at the broad existential level about work. So now already I'm changing my relationship to the work itself. Then within that, at a more micro task level, you can also recognize, okay, so I'm, you know, I don't really have a choice over this. However, I can choose how to use this task. I can sit here and complain and moan about it. Well, nobody's going to care that I'm complaining. They're just getting on with their stuff and, you know, I'm only making myself unhappy. Or I can choose to recognize that I can use this task to develop myself, create a, a, a standard or a level by which I do it. And then by achieving that, I get myself into that flow state. So you could do this with your formal job or if you're a student or if you what we call a stay-at-home parent, you know, mm. because there are always tasks. Mm. I mean, when mm. you wake up in the morning, there's always going to be a list mm. of some mm. kind. Mm. And I think that autonomy thing goes all the way through, doesn't mm. it? Mm. You know, we, no matter which example of these, mm. I've heard all three categories where people say it's the grind. Mm. And it's not necessarily your formal job. Mm. It's just your mm. daily routine at yeah. home even yeah. or yeah. that sort of thing. And Monday always signals mm. that narrative mm. that it's time for the grind. And I don't have choice. Yeah. And it, yeah, so if I can recognize the benefits I get out of work by gathering better evidence from the experience or any task, then I can start to change my relationship to it and actively choose it. And then I feel I have that sense of autonomy within that work or task or life context. And it's also useful from a leadership point of view, because as a leader, the more sense of autonomy you give to your people, the more likely they are to feel positively engaged in the task. So instead of telling somebody, you will do this and you'll do it by Tuesday, ask them. And obviously there's a context like, yes, they're at work, but you can do it in ways, you know, so I need this by Tuesday. Do you agree? Yes or no? Already they're getting a sense of autonomy in the choice. Well, I can say, no, I can't do Tuesday because I've got 15 other tasks from you and I've got my son's prize giving on Monday afternoon. So can we make it Wednesday, you know, 
and you agree to that and there's a sense of autonomy from them so you start to interact with them in a way that they feel like they're having choice in what they're doing that also can help to shift people into feeling more engaged and recognizing what work does for them so it's probably a good idea to give them the autonomy because then they can manage their states because if you're the leader and you're trying to impose it you're going to get the nui or you're mm -hmm. going to get the agitation. Mm -hmm. exactly. You're definitely not going to get the other two. Exactly. So I'm thinking as a parent of teenagers, it's probably exactly the same. You know, that maybe on a weekend, if there's a work-oriented thing, like a chess tournament or bio-appointment mm -hmm. or something like that, it is quite interesting how they just wake themselves, get themselves ready, mm -hmm. and there's mm -hmm. the autonomy thing mm -hmm. and the proper motivational mm -hmm. state. So mm -hmm. a lot for me to go and think about mm -hmm. as the leader mom. And so a really good thing to do at the end of an activity is to ask the person, what's your level of motivation right now? Mm. And get them to do that check and say, oh, okay, so I was, you know, whether it's with teenagers or people at the workplace who are reporting into you and get them to start recognizing and acknowledging that, they, that work and tasks get them more motivated and start building a case that is eh, kind of undeniable. You know, so next time you can say, mm, you know that doing this gets you motivated and so you know let's go and do it so i'm thinking the autonomy thing is perhaps also linked to us when you are a leader and you're trying to be over controlling or maybe you want to rescue oh let me just do this task let me not give it to them mm. and it, it just changes the way that you interact so i'm even thinking you know, I can only speak for Everybody myself. Everybody wants you as a leader at work. Like, you're going to do all the work for me. <laughs> well, not anymore. That was me well, before. And, and actually, what, what I've realized in listening to this is that, you know, I always feel guilty because I have this diary with lots of movement and all sorts of crazy things in it. And many years ago, I used to feel guilty or, you know, that I can't let the receptionist do this, the poor thing. And she's tired as well. And she's got kids. And you're just reminding me of one particular conversation where it, there were three or four changes that had to happen and they, they were just last minute things and unavoidable. And she just took it upon herself, so there was some autonomy. And it, it's her diary actually that she runs in a way. And she came to me and she said, I feel pretty good because I've sorted out all this stuff. And she, mm. her energy was up and it's not what I would have expected at all. Mm. So maybe this is now why, because I, I never really understood so it was the flow thing, it was stretching a bit, it was the autonomy. Exactly. Exactly. Just remind us yeah. of those things again. So he coined a term which we call autotelic, which is when you're able to do something for its own sake. And he found evidence of this in, for example, people who were in prisoner of war camps and concentration camps during the World War. And they managed to turn those into meaningful experiences by choosing activities so the one guy would you know draw a map of the world and imagine the route that he was traveling and 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 use imaginative tasks or they would try to make things out of the materials that they could find and so this what he calls the autotelic personality which is the person who can basically find something positive in any experience and and so it's about being able to do something for its own sake usually we think well that's only when i'm playing guitar or running or whatever it happens to be. But actually you can choose any activity for to, to do that. So let's say often when people are depressed or you know, overanalyzing things, I say, you know what, if you haven't solved the problems within 20 minutes, go and wash the dishes. And it's really that, like you can go, and if, and if a person's depressed and they go and wash the dishes, 
and they finish that task, they will feel better about themselves immediately. And then if they, instead of going back into, you know, rumination and which takes you into that melancholic state, is about then choosing another activity, another activity. And if you do that progressively over the weekend, by the end of Sunday, you'll feel great. You'll feel fantastic. And it keeps you out of that, out of your mind, which is a bad neighborhood. Because when you're doing nothing, your thoughts tend to go to problems. They tend to go to negative interpretations of stuff. And that's that's one of the things about the flow state is it actually, he, Shikshen Mikhail talks about, he says it creates order in consciousness. So that's what we learn in mindfulness. When you sit and you observe your own thoughts, you see that they're just random and they go all over the place. So you can choose whether you're going to follow those thoughts or whether you're going to choose where to put your energy and attention. And that's the autotelic state. So it's saying, okay, I recognize that my thoughts are very negative right now. They're chasing after all these negative speculations about whether he likes me or she likes me, whether I'm going to get the deal or not get the deal. And, you know, uh, this person said that. And, you know, my mind goes after all those things when I'm doing nothing versus saying, okay, I'm going to focus on a task. I'm going to tidy up the garage. And while I'm tidying up the garage, it creates order and consciousness because my energy and attention is focused in a particular direction. So it, it starts to eliminate those negative thoughts and I get a task done. So for two reasons, I feel better. A, the, the garage is tidy and B, I've, I've, put, I've, I've brought order to my state of consciousness and eliminated those negative thoughts. But I must say, I've seen this work with my clients where, you know, it works from bad mood to actual depression. Mm. And I'm not talking clinical extreme depression, but when you, you're sort of starting to lift. And it's quite interesting. So I'll say to people, pick a task. And if you can't pick one, because often they're sitting here in this NUI state, and sometimes it's not actually a depression, it's more just that, that blur kind of state. You know, we've all been there. And sometimes that's an existential thing, or otherwise you just have been in NUI so long, you kind of live there now. And it's phenomenal how everybody responds to that. So I'm going to say this to you guys. So if you find yourself in that kind of blur state, go and wash the dishes. I promise you, I've tried it myself. I've been telling people this for months since I first heard Neil say this, and it works like a bomb. It really does. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's, there's other research somebody called John Ada, who wrote a book called The Brain Bible. And um, I went to a workshop many years ago, and it made more sense now when I heard the wash the dishes thing, that this left prefrontal part is what makes you happy. So things like compassion, gratitude, all of that, we know this, mm. will lift you out of a bad mood. But who knew that doing a micro task, like washing the dishes, has got a beginning and an end, it's small enough, stretches you a bit when you're feeling horrible, it is a stretch then. Mm. You know, who knew that that was actually going to light up this part as well, mm. which lifts you out of depression. So is that what the research shows? Yeah. That it does that? Wow. And so if you can lift out of this, this deep mm. NUI, or when you've been mm. there for a mm. long time, so that's mm. you, mm. when you can lift out of that just a little bit mm. by washing the dishes or whatever your equivalent is, mm. well, you've got dishes every day. You may as well wash them. Mm. If you get used to being just a mm. little bit more animated, mm. eventually you reset your default. Mm -hmm. And then that's how you start to lift out of that negative mm -hmm. state. Exactly. So it works. Yeah. And then eventually yeah. you get to this autotelic place, which sounds mm -hmm. like flow. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's why, you know, again, we have the narrative that rest is better than doing stuff. And even if you're on a weekend, so the pool needs cleaning, the garage needs sorting. You've got a, you know, those old CDs that you were going to digitize and put on the photographs the, you know, whatever those tasks are, we tend to think that rest will be better than doing them. I need to rest right now. I mustn't do that. And 
So what happens? We end up with the task still undone. It clogs up space in our minds and we are falling down into that NUI state. So what I found is, you know, by yes, Saturday, have fun, rest, whatever. Sunday morning should be your deepest rest point. But by lunchtime Sunday, I find, and this is me, maybe you know, people find this is a horrifying thing, but I like to then start getting engaged and doing stuff, you know, like uh, go and clean the pool. It's a nice simple task to get things going and maybe go and, you know, polish the shoes for the week or, you know, uh, do a little sorting task or something like that and start getting yourself motivated and complete a few tasks. Or if it's... start small. Yeah, yeah. Or if it's on holiday, you know, spend some time of that holiday actually doing stuff. So what happens? You get to the end of the weekend or the end of the holiday and you've kind of tidied up the garage. You feel better about it. It clears up a lot of space, clears up a lot of space for the rest of the year because now you don't have to think about it again. Things are sorted there. When you need to find them, you can find them. So there's a benefit in the activity itself and there's a benefit in the activity in that it gets you into that motivated, even the flow state and which is hugely beneficial for how you kind of generally feel about life. And so activity is as good as or better than, well, certainly better than NUI. So rest is necessary, but we've got to know where is the end point for rest. Okay, I rested enough now. Let me go and do stuff, not try to stretch rest out for the rest of the week or I think that that's such an important distinction. You know, that rest and NUI are not at all the same thing. Mm. So mm. there's good tired and there's bad tired. Mm. And just in the same way, there's good rest and bad rest. Mm. And it's actually interesting. It is, it's true what you say, that when you have completed something, even a small thing, you might be tired, but it's good tired, mm. as opposed to that, that bad mm. where you've overdone it again. And that's probably the mm. agitation overdoing mm. it. Mm. Exactly. So this is very interesting if we think about where we overshoot, you mm. know. Yeah. We always have to take flow too far and want to perpetuate it forever or force mm. our way in there. Mm -hmm. And that's the agitation. Yeah. And of course, it doesn't work like yeah. that yeah. because it's flow. It's not yeah. agitation or force. I've got a saying for that. I say, always leave at the peak of the party. You know, and I've always done that. It's like when the party hits its peak and you absolutely have that ecstatic moment and everything, and then just as it tapers off, what people try to do then is try to make it happen again. I'm like, ah, we've had that peak experience. Time to go. So, so just so, so are you saying that flow is not something you just get into and then you stay there forever? Mm. So you in flow and rest and then animate out yeah. of that? And It's impossible to sustain flow with any one activity indefinitely. So you will hit that peak time and then, you, you know, it'll start to drop off. And, you know, you might find like when you're running or you're doing something, you, you kind of move in and out of it. But there will definitely be a point at which, OK, I'm tired now, you know, finish, rest. And I think that that's, again, a different word. You know, where if we're saying flow, optimal, and then it's finished and it ends, that's horrible or mm. the concept. Mm. Where if you're saying, well, there's flow and then there's a natural sliding into rest and then there's a natural animation, then you get back into flow. Mm. You know, I, th I think it is exactly that, isn't it? The narrative you spoke about. Mm. It's how we talk to ourselves. Mm. So if there's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we're kind of flowing through mm. them, mm. that's mm. very different than Monday yeah. and then lifting to Friday and then Saturday, Sunday, you know, yeah. up, down, up, down. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so is the trick just finding that opportunity for animation and then flow and then resting when you're done in whatever you're doing? So be cleaning the pool, be it at work, you yeah, know, yeah. So, and identifying the state that mm, you're in. Mm, exactly. Yeah, so being constantly aware of what's my motivational state. So I, I try to get my clients to recognize that. And then 
what do I need to do to shift that if it needs to be shifted? You know, have I rested enough? Have I rested for long enough? What tasks can I do now that will help me to activate getting into that motivated animated state and from there into the flow state and again i mentioned sunday so i'm not saying on a sunday start like the big task of you know but there are small things that we can do i mentioned things like cleaning shoes or you know cleaning the pool those are easy finite tasks but they they just get you going enough you you know you don't want something that you're going to now unpack the garage and you work and it takes you you know you don't want to overdo it but it you know you can i, I like to go to a gym to go to the gym on a sunday evening you know, it's one of my things that just really gets me, uh, it, it, it bookends the weekends. I always know that I've got that time available so I can make sure I do it. And, and it really just starts to lift my energy a whole lot after I've done a few small tasks on a Sunday afternoon. So I start to gather my energy together, um, which has really helped me because I used to be terrible on a Monday. And, you know, so now I, I kind of hit the ground running on a Monday. Actually, I think we should have three-day weekends because you need... Saturday to do your tasks and party a bit and Sunday rest deeply and then actually that third day should be where you're getting better and I know in some countries I think it's New Zealand now they've started trying that so I definitely advocate three-day weekends where the third day is where you start <laughs> reactivating but anyway that's a whole separate so it would be a long weekend every weekend Absolutely. but again for us not to fall into the trap of thinking oh, three days of NUI or agitation exactly so three-day weekend would be terribly destructive if you try to use it all for rest and got into the NUI state for a third day you you know on that third day you would be that would be very destructive but if you were to use it constructively where that third day was used to do tasks to get stuff done start working so you're doing some maybe home tasks admin tasks work tasks and then by Tuesday you you know you, you're up and running again now so maybe we should reformulate what we do on a Monday However, I do think that we can significantly shift our relationship to it. You know, you always talk about it in different workshops about possibility that when you change that narrative, for example, mm. from something's wrong to nothing's wrong, and we'll unpack those through the series. Mm. And just what's popped into my mind is one of my favorite songs of all time mm -hmm. must be by New Order from the 80s called Blue Monday. Mm. And it, it's just a fantastic song to get you into that animated state. Mm. Now, if I hadn't been thinking that there's a possibility that Monday could be good again, mm. I don't think I'd be even thinking about this. Mm. So if you're a child of the 80s, then you know what I'm talking about. Well, it's a great song. Anybody could get that one out. Oh, now. yeah. It'll get you going on a Monday for sure. Well, there you go. So mm. I know what I'm going to be doing come next Monday. Great. So we hope that you've enjoyed this. And if you would like to see more, please subscribe using the button below and add some questions in the comment section we will address we will select questions and each time we will do another we'll answer some of those questions so that's the behaviorist signing off and remember that like we are we'd like to encourage you to also do your bit in terms of shifting your behavior be part of the behaviorist tribe and let's see bit by bit behaviorally we can change our environments our relationships and take over the world exactly Thank you.